is Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny on the Revelations Radio Network. Podcasting to you from the seaside town of Edmonds, Washington, where I am kind of happy that Chris Paul broke his hand. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. I'm from Hood River, Oregon, uh, battling through burnout and Skype lockouts to bring this show to you. And I am 100% happy that Blake Griffin re-injured his quad. I'm Andrew Hoffman. (laughs) I wonder if we have any basketball fans out there. There should be some people that hate the Clippers. They are the most hated team in the NBA. Is that true? I thought the Houston Rockets would have that. Uh, no, no, it's the it's the Clippers because of their incessant whining. Well, you know what, and and dirty play. You know what Damian Lillard says. No good Clippers. Since there's no good Clippers, that's right, Sam. <laughs> so, <laughs> I am quite excited about the last couple of games, mainly because there's no good Clippers <laughs> left, and uh, Portland's looking uh, looking up. Things are, things st- things are looking good. Still have to win a game in LA, but yes, the odds of. It went from, even after they'd won game three, people were talking about, oh, uh, you know, the Clippers are probably going to beat the Warriors in the next round now that Steph Curry's hurt. Yeah. That's and exactly. then yep. one game later, it's like, uh, well, <laughs> it's good for the Warriors. That's kind of the yeah sports narrative there. Yeah, that's exactly right. So... I do think whoever wins the West, though, as you stated before, is going to crush whoever comes out of the East unmercilessly. Yeah, unfortunately, I think I think it's going to be the Spurs. You think, we'll you think so? Yeah. Yeah. Well, or it could still be the Warriors. I think the if without Steph Curry, I think. Um, Portland now presents a bigger challenge to the Warriors than the Clippers would without, you know, without their two best players. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, especially since Portland put a spanking on them earlier this season, and they all said it was just a fluke, but I don't know. Yeah, I I think they could win a couple games in the series. It would be a very difficult series to win, especially if Steph Curry came back partway through it. Yeah. But then, yeah, it's still still going to be tough to beat the... I know the Blazers can't beat the Spurs. It's a terrible matchup. It is, it is. But, I mean, something I think that's, I mean, that people keep overlooking, that, that Oklahoma City team, I mean, obviously, it's my... The, the my Spurs hope. could just go ahead and lose to Oklahoma City, and then yes. Westbrook and Durant could get hurt, like... With five minutes left in the last game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. But I do think that there's, I mean, I think, the, to be honest, I think that one of the biggest 
obstacles for for the Spurs is going to be Oklahoma City. They are a strong team, very strong, kind of underrated. Yeah, they're. <clears throat> Did you see the uh, post game press conference? Yes, where he said that Mark Cuban was an idiot. Yeah, I think Mark Cuban is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> then uh, when they were commenting on Charlie Villanueva. Ah, yes, yes. The dance breaker upper. Yes. And Durant said under his breath, he probably won't even be in the league next year. <laughs> After Westbrook said, well, he's probably just going to have to get ready to watch all 82 games just like he did this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, that was funny. Yeah, yeah. So I guess everybody's caught up on their NBA news now. Um where to next? Hey, I want to talk about something just real quick. I want to recommend a show. It's on HBO. Silicon Valley. A movie. That show is hilarious. Okay. That's by Mike Judge, the guy who wrote Office Space and Beavis and Butthead and oh, really? King of the Hill. But uh, in that show, they mainly make fun of Silicon Valley and all the tech startups who are all going to change the world. Mm. And they've pulled a lot of real, real people. Uh, and made them into like characters in this. So like, there's this one character who's kind of a he's kind of a mix of Eric Schmidt and Steve Jobs. Uh, he's like a, like wants his company to, like take over the world like Eric Schmidt. And a lot of the ways that it, the company works, it's a lot like Google. Um, and then the other side of him though is he's really like analytical and you know pr- you know wants design to be right, kind of like Steve Jobs. But anyway, there's several other characters, including a spot-on impersonation of Peter Thiel. Which is amazing. Um, <laughs> I mean, they don't even they don't even mess around. They're like, "Who's this guy? Oh, you know, the one that invented PayPal. He, he's pay, he's trying to pay people not to go to college. If you have a good idea, he'll pay you not to go to college. And he's trying yeah. to build some island off the coast of California for just <laughs> for just his people or whatever. So, I mean, it's just a spot. But to see all these people interact with each other is hilarious and i bring that up because there's this one extremely slimy character and i couldn't figure out who it was there's like a chance it was sean parker but i kind of googled around and a lot of people think it's mark cuban so oh yeah (laughs) because he sold the 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 way he got rich was he sold i mean we all you and i both joke around he sold broadcast.com to yahoo for like a right. billion dollars or whatever. No, it's over three billion dollars. Over three billion dollars. <laughs> this guy got rich by taking radio and putting it on the internet. So I took radio and I thought about the internet and I just put radio on the <laughs> internet. And now the internet has radio. And now it's a, a forward. <laughs> it's a three billion dollar email forward. Exactly. Exactly. So this this guy in the show, though, he's like, I made $1.3 billion then. And it's like 12 years later. He's like, now I'm worth 1.4. You do the math. And he's like, and the, and the guy's a programmer, right? So he's like, okay, I will do the math. So it seems like with the rate of inflation, and it's barely, this is, he's like, this is barely a 12% increase. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and that's it. But anyway, I highly recommend it. So it's a really well-written show. Good thing that, you know, the last couple of weeks when we weren't able to do a show, nothing really happened in the world. Yeah, not much. Not much. Hey, did you know that the CIA uh, has their private cloud with Amazon? 
I did not. Have we ever talked about that? I don't think so. Yeah, someone... Um, Do you mean a remote Just to server? not give me... This was not related to any conversations at work. It really wasn't. It was just a chance conversation with someone from up there, but... Up in the Seattle area. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So, man, I mean, they're... They're, uh... There's a lot built on those clouds. I mean, do you know Dropbox was on it? I did not. Yeah, yeah. almost. It. There's so much stuff that was built. Amazon's done really well with their... Um, and I, th- I think they've got one of their data centers um, is in Oregon. I forget where exactly. But. Mm-hmm. They've done really well with the like the cloud promotion and stuff. Um, but mainly just like not so much promoting it to consumers but more to like corporations and stuff. Right. Yeah, the entire Dropbox was built on it. I mean, they just they just now pulled out of their partnership with them and are going to try and make their own servers and whatnot. So. Hmm. But that is interesting the CIA's remote servers or clouds as you said. Yeah. So they've got a um I mean, they've got their own deal obviously, but it's yeah, through Amazon. So I don't know. It seems like something we would have talked about on the show, but yeah, I don't. I didn't really know about it. I did not either. So, so as far as there really hasn't been a lot going on. No, that's what I was gonna say. I made a joke, but uh, turns out not much. So election news: Donald Trump uh, won all five states today. Uh, the Northeast sweep. Yeah, so he got almost all the delegates. Um, so I guess my uh, th- this whole thing—they're going to steal it from him at the convention. No, this is red herring. This is promotion for the Republican convention. That's all it is. Ah, uh, interesting. That's there will be there will be no stealing of the nomination at the convention. Not going to happen. It's just a way of of uh, boosting some ratings there. Hmm. Okay, I'll go with that. And may, maybe some. Uh, it could also be a negotiating hmm. ploy because he seems to believe it, at least outwardly, like that they're actually going to try to take it away from him. I think they'll do anything he wants. You know what I mean? He'll believe anything. Well, yeah, so I I think it'll be a way to to get better leverage when when they make a deal with them. Yeah. yeah. But but mark mark my words, uh no crazy shenanigans. I mean, what are they going to do? Run Kasich out there? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. So, Cruz isn't winning anything, is he? No, he got exactly zero delegates today. He just got crushed. Good. So the 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 Drudge Report red link is eliminated. Nice. Because he's it's even if he won every every primary. That's remaining. He's he's still, you know, 
he still would have fewer than Trump, basically. That's the best news I've heard all day. So, well, um, <clears throat> I got a couple quick stories. One, a Bernie supporter, Bernie head, turned to me the other day as I was talking about. Uh, I think I, I knew that they were all Bernie all the time, so I said something like, uh, "Well, just gonna read up on how the how my you know our our uh, next commander in chief Donald excuse me next commander in chief Donald Trump is doing." And uh, he kind of freaked out, kind of got his feathers ruffled. He looked at me, and uh, I was smiling, obviously just trying to get his goat, <laughs> trying to get him, trying to wind him up a little bit. And uh, he looked at me and kind of laughed, and he looked back at his sandwich, and he said, you know, I'd almost rather have that guy than that Ted Cruz guy. What a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a valid point. Thank you. Thank you. That is a, a great point, sir. So. There you go. That's the there's there from from deep within Bernie territory up here. That's the that's the thoughts on the Republican All candidates. The, the Bernie territory is going strong down here. Yeah, yeah. The, the big Bernie signs. Oh yeah. Now in um, the Oregon primary, it's coming up. I'm pretty sure Bernie's just going to crush it. Story number two. I met a delegate. Okay. Person was wearing a Hillary shirt. The swipe for Hillary arrow. Oh, was swipe for Hillary arrow? Uh, you haven't seen that the, the the logo. It's like a it's like an arrow with the H H with the arrow to the left or whatever. Oh, okay. But yeah, wearing a wearing a Hillary shirt, and I started asking about it. Hey, is Hillary here? No, no, she was here a few weeks back, and this and that, and. I'm hoping, you know, I'm qualified so far. And, like, so he's moving up in the delegate role? Yeah, I, I was a, I was an alternate delegate in Washington. Okay, yeah, he made it all the way up, and now he's, like, one of the final whatever. So he's hoping that he gets a chance to vote for Hillary for for the presidency. I guess he's got a couple, he's a couple, a couple qualifications away. I'm not even sure how it works. Well, so you go, you're a... Delegate to the state convention, and then delegates are chosen for the national convention. He made it to the state convention, and now he's right. he's most likely going to make it to the national, he said. Well, yeah, he's a Hillary supporter, so he's qualified. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, there's only like a couple hundred Hillary supporters in the whole country, so your odds of making it as a delegate are pretty strong. Because okay. you have to be a Hillary supporter. And, um, and why do you say you that? You have to be... Because the, that's the New World win. Order wants Hillary. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I hear you. That's who's going to win. Yeah. yeah. He was an interesting character, my friend. He uh, was in the military, got out of the military, and was just laughing about how much money he makes now that he's retired from the military. Uh, super excited about Hillary for no apparent reason. I, I don't know, man. It was just... It was eye-opening to think, wow, so you're one of the guys. So when he left, I, I pointed out to a couple people, there goes one of the delegates that's probably going to end up deciding the, you know, the president's, you know, presidential election. My coworkers were not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, <clears throat> raw vote count, I, I believe Bernie has more actual votes. Okay. Um delegate count 
Hillary has more, and then but the the margin is pretty thin, except in super delegates, and Hillary just crushed it. Okay. So the super delegates are people that have been part of the, you know, Democratic Party, Democratic Party establishment for years and worked the you know weaselled their way into that position. So they're already determined before, you know, like people's votes don't matter. That's why they're the super delegates because they get they kind of get their own vote. Okay, they're not bound by the the primary votes. Um, and lo and behold, they're all Hillary supporters. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, this guy is definitely Hillary supporter. I mean, he, he's wearing the shirt out in public. So. Yeah, that's, that's about humiliating. As, it is humiliating. Even even here, where everybody's like, Urgh. Hillary. Yeah. <laughs> it just I don't know. It was strangely strangely out of place. And uh, while he was, he was, I mean, don't get me wrong, he was, he was a very nice person. But I just, I'll just say this: my faith in the American democratic system was not immediately restored. No. Well, um, you want a Ted Cruz story? Uh, I woke up this morning thinking to myself, you know, I'm a little <laughs> tired. I want to go to work for about 11 hours. I want to come home, get myself a nice cold glass were of water, you, hear a Ted Cruz story. Were you uh, up late last night watching the Blazer game? I absolutely was up late last night watching the Blazer game. Yeah, because we had to watch the Mariner game first. Right. So, And that ended up being close. Yeah, the and so then we watched shockingly, the, surprisingly, doing okay. They're in first place. Yeah, um, but, take a picture. Take a picture of the standings. Um, no good Clipper. And then yes, Blazer game close as well, and the Blazers won. Yeah, yeah. And I think they had it. It's not like they were getting beat by twenty, and then those guys got hurt and they came back. No, the the the, the uh, ironic part of this whole injury situation is that the Clippers' uh, grasp on this series felt like it was starting to slip, with or without two, their two of their their right. starters. Yeah. Hit me with a Ted Cruz story. All right. So this comes from the Miami Herald, and it says tabloid says it has proof. Ted Cruz's father is mystery man, in Lee Harvey Oswald photo and this the original story comes from the national Enquirer. um so there itch most people would say why are you reading a story from the Enquirer? well so the yeah this story isn't but the original was and uh national Enquirer is in the tank for donald trump i think everyone's kind of you know agreed with that he's He's friends with the person that owns it. Um, they've endorsed Donald Trump. Uh, but anyway, so this is based on a photograph, a fairly famous photograph of uh, Lee Harvey Oswald passing out uh, pro-communist propaganda stuff. Ah, uh, yes, when in New Orleans. So, and the man next to him... Um, May or may not be Rafael Cruz. Ah, uh, that's right. Because his parents are from Cuba. 
<laughs> well, it remember, doesn't. Remember that whole rags to riches? My dad was a bartender at the casino. Right. Yes. Turns out. No, no, that was Marco Rubio. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. It's a valid yeah. point. So, all right, let, let me read through the story, and then I've got kind of a different take on it. But uh, The National Enquirer has published what it says is conclusive evidence that Ted Cruz's father, Raphael B. Cruz, is the man photographed next to JFK assassin Lee Harvey Oswald, distributing pro-Castro leaflets in 1963 in New Orleans. The Cruz presidential campaign fired back unequivocally. This is another garbage story in a tabloid full of garbage, communications director Alice Stewart told McClatchy. The story is false. That is not Raphael in the picture. The explosive suggestion that Cruz's father would have had any affiliation with Oswald is not corroborated in any other way. Cuban-born Rafael Cruz is now a fervent anti-communist, but there was a time he supported then-rebel leader Fidel Castro. His son, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican of Texas, frequently relates his father's arrest and torture by government officials and subsequent escape to the United States. The elder Cruz ended up at the University of Texas at Austin and still supported Castro, who led the revolution that overthrew the Batista regime in 1959. Castro formally declared himself Marxist in 1961. Uh, the U.S. government was duped. The American people were duped. I was duped, Rafael Cruz wrote in his book, A Time for Action, released in January. When people asked me why I supported Castro and overthrowing the Cuban government, I readily admit that I didn't realize he was a communist. There are photos of Rafael Cruz participating in a pro-Castro rally in 1959 and an article in the student newspaper where he describes his support for Castro. And one report questions the extent of the Elder Cruz's connections to Castro before fleeing Cuba. The photos of Oswald distributing pro-Castro literature are from August 1963, just a few months before the JFK assassination in Dallas, in which the Warren Commission report on the assassination of President John F. Kennedy said it was carried out by Oswald. The tabloid hired photo experts who compared the Elder Cruz's photos from the late 50s and early 60s with the ones released by the Warren Commission. The man in the white shirt next to Oswald was never identified by the commission, and the Inquirer is now saying that it was Cruz and blasted on its May 2nd cover that Ted Cruz's father now linked to JFK assassination. The Inquirer has sent a, has a testimonial from Mitch Gladstone, president and CEO of Scan My Photos, a California-based digitizing photo service who told the tabloid, there's more similarity than dissimilarity, it looks to be the same person, and I can say as much with a high degree of confidence. Carol Lieberman, a University of California, Los Angeles forensic psychiatrist, an expert witness based in Beverly Hills, California, compared the photos and told the Inquirer they seemed to match. Neither Goldstone nor Lieberman returned phone calls from McClatchy. But Gus Russo, an author and journalist who has written extensively about the JFK assassination on Oswald, is dubious. Russo told McClatchy in an interview that Oswald, who was living in New Orleans in 1963, was not connected to the Cuban community there and would not not have had a Cuban supporter helping him. He was the ultimate loner, said Russo. <laughs> Although, just for the record, like, there is someone there with him. You know what I mean? Like, the, this guy's argument is, he's a loner, he wouldn't have been with anyone. It's, well, he was in that picture, but anyway. Another man seen in the video 
handing out leaflets, had been hired by Oswald to do so at an unemployment office, according to the Warren Commission. Rafael Cruz also lived in New Orleans, but it was later in the 1960s. As for the photo evidence, Russo said it's very subjective. It's not proof. It's just an opinion. To charge something this big, you'd better have proof that it more than uh, it looks like him. The FBI would not comment about its photo recognition and aging identification techniques, but referred McClatchy to a webpage about its investigative and prosecutive graphic unit. The inquirer is focused on Ted Cruz uh, during the presidential campaign with sensational stories about its alleged mistresses and supposed connection to the D.C. madam. The tabloid, which has endorsed presidential frontrunner Donald Trump, said in a declaration published on a page of the story that the paper had been approached by someone it does not identify during the New York primary with the photos. In this instance, we believe the American voters have a right to know the truth about the Cruz family, it says. Okay. Um, One aspect not brought up whatsoever is uh, why was the supposed assassin out passing out the leaflets. What was Lee Harvey Oswald doing? He was... Well, he's working for the CIA, man. He was working for the CIA. (laughs) Which would indicate that, likely, other people working with him why possibly also working for the CIA? OSS, Guy Bannister, uh, Clay Shaw, um, bunch of you know, bunch of guys. There's a bunch of CIA. There's a bunch of spooks. OSS, CIA spooks there in New Orleans. He was working directly with Guy Bannister in Guy Bannister's office. That was when he was handing out the leaflets. Um, the same address as that was on the leaflets was the same address that was an FBI office for an FBI agent named Guy Bannister. I mean, it's the exact same address. So wouldn't it have been interesting if Ted Cruz had become president with, um, you know, this supposed very circumstantial connection to the Kennedy assassination um, after George W. Bush, the son of George H.W. Bush, who filed a report about the assassination and is the one person in America that doesn't remember where he was that day. And it turns out he was less than 40 miles north of Dallas, even by official standards. I he, mean, was, he, he was in Dallas the night before yep. and speaking at a, some, I forget, Kiwanis luncheon or something the next day during the assassination. So he had an alibi and sure to make a phone call right after it. So he could have another alibi, um, so, you know, not saying he pulled the trigger. But, but I'm saying he pulled, he, he was a big part of it. Yeah. As we've talked about numerous times and maybe even played um, clips of Dark's, Dark Legacy. Well, or you can play a clip from uh, The Shooter, <laughs> the classic movie. Yeah. Uh, where they say the the guy who actually fired the shots is was being buried in the desert uh, a few hours later. So, you know. Yeah. Certainly a possibility as well. Uh, but just, it's very interesting. Like, that that level of dirt um, could certainly be a useful blackmail. Oh, yeah. 
So now, I mean, that would put his dad in direct contact with the Kennedy assassination uh, or, or Kennedy assassin, um, which would put him right in this, I mean, the same club as George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush. So, yeah, perfect. Sounds like a plan. We got <laughs> we got a guy who we vetted. I mean, Marco sure. Rubio really would have been perfect with his uh, foam parties and everything else, but. Yeah, uh, you know Ted Cruz just has hookers and JFK assass- assassination. So that is the truth. Which, I, yeah, I'm 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 on board with you 100. percent As a matter of fact, that's that was my first thought exactly when I saw this article. Yeah, yeah, that, I was like, mm, that would make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. long time <laughs> long time spook family seems like seems like he would uh, he would be there. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, you got anywhere you want to go next? Sure, I'll take one. Uh, Tesla model, and by the way, Tesla. We've spoke about them before. You're a big fan of them, right? You put a deposit down on their next car. <laughs> <I've>, uh, <laughs> what did I see recently? I saw some contest, not really a competition, but you could... Uh, help support Mother Earth by doing X, Y, and Z and be interested in a drawing to get a ride in a Tesla. A ride in a Tesla. <laughs> I've gone for a ride and a drive in a Tesla and uh, no need to win a drawing for this wonderful experience. <clears throat> <laughs> I, of course, as a car salesman, hate Tesla. They think that my job is obsolete and they are trying to phase it out only by getting government grants and trying to cut corners that have uh, been in the business for a very long time at all the while saying the job is uh, pointless and the dealerships don't need to exist so i got a personal one plus i just love the fact that or i don't love i hate the fact that everyone thinks that they're amazing cars and uh that tesla makes a bunch of money from them you know when they sell these 80 to hundred thousand, hundred and ten thousand dollar cars when it turns out they actually lose money on every car if it wasn't for government subsidies it's like it's a it's essentially a company that shouldn't exist and right. i don't know if you know but just recently they put out a, uh, a little uh announcement that they were going to have a, a small crossover size suv that was going to be 100 percent electric and they were taking uh thousand dollar deposits for people that were interested in them they got like two hundred fifty thousand deposits in like two three hours <laughs> one of the people at my dealership put in a thousand dollar deposit it's just like okay that's <laughs> that is neat so i loved seeing this story when it came across from the guardian tesla model x glitch locks owners out of their cars Early models of Tesla's electric SUV, the Model X, are facing teething issues, plaguing users with glitches that lock them out of their cars and bang their Falcon wing doors into things. <laughs> Weeks after the recall of 2700 Model Xs, which at the time was nearly the entire fleet, over a safety issue with the rear seats, reports from buyers have painted a picture of Tesla struggling to meet demand and quality control. One venture capitalist from San Francisco, Byron Dieter, has seen so many problems with his Model X, which was one of the first off the production line, he had to stop using it for his daily commute. My Tesla X is freaking out too. Driver and passenger windows won't close and emergency brake goes off when backing up. 
Hashtag software fail. <laughs> Dieter told Fortune it had a handful of what I'd call acceptable tech glitches early on, like the Falcon Wing doors not always detecting that I was ready for them to open. But in the past couple of days, it's gotten to where I think the safety and usability there's safety and usability issues. Dieter is not alone. The U.S.-based Consumer Reports recently detailed one 75-year-old buyer's experience. It was bug-ridden start and prevented him from making the cross-country journey from the Tesla factory in Fremont, California to New Rochelle, New York. Michael Karp's, uh, Karp's Model X has issues with its doors failing to close, open, or sense objects to prevent striking them. Uh, the Wall Street Journal also detailed two further Model X owners facing issues with the Falcon Wing doors, putting the cars out of a commission until they could be serviced. Other buyers have flocked into the company's support forums to complain of quality control issue, including a distortion of lights at night because of the curved windscreen, making it difficult to judge distances to cars and objects. I could go on and on. One Tesla forum user called Shellmeyer said, My car has been back into the shop twice and the bugs are still everywhere. The P door does not open. The D door opens to different positions. No parking feature. Sometimes doors won't close unless you force it. And when you close it, it sounds like metal on metal. I could go on and on. Consumers have issues with new lines of cars. Uh, having issues with new lines of cars is not unique to Tesla, which also had teething issues when it first rolled out its Model S saloon in the U.S. in 2012. Toyota Prius suffered reliability issues after a redesign in 2010, while Volvo was forced to recall 59,000 cars, Valhalla 220,000 cars, and Toyota 6.5 million cars over the past few years. A, te- a Tesla spokesperson said, while we have some issues with early Model X builds, the issues are not widespread and we are working closely with each owner to respond quickly and proactively to additional problems. We will continue to do so until each customer is fully satisfied. This commitment is one of the reasons why 98% of our customers say they will not buy or they will buy another Tesla as their next car. While Tesla's rapid response to buyers' issues has kept customers' loyalty for its Model S and X cars, with Consumer Reports scoring at 99 out of 100 for consumer satisfaction, it will be a different kettle of fish should issues as the, such as these be present when the company ships the Model 3, which had reached almost 400,000 owners, excuse me, according to Elon Musk, meaning production value, uh, volume, and quality of mass-market vehicle as the Model 3 could prove magnitudes more difficult as with the service as will the service problems if Tesla cannot get their car out of the gate. You don't have a smartphone. No. We figure out a way to wedge that into every conversation we have on the show. But if you did, I did just buy a vehicle. You bought a vehicle? Yeah. What did you get? We bought a 2000 Chevy Venture minivan. Whoa. That's one way to go. So, it was a thousand bucks. There you go, man. You were so you put down a thousand dollar deposit for the next uh, Tesla SUV as well. I put down a thousand dollars and got a vehicle instead of a deposit. But oh, yes, that's an interesting <laughs> way to go about it. I guess. How are the banks going to make money off that? Um, if you did have a smartphone, I would point out to you that sometimes it's glitchy and does not work. Kind of like your computer, or when you install a new app, or when it gets an update that didn't tell you about, certain features don't work very well. Or if you provide VoIP phone service, and you don't have current firmware. 
potential issues. That is the nature of software. <laughs> that is going to be the nature of what we're going to be dealing with, the more and more software that's installed in these cars. And I do have to love that the leader on soft, in software, uh, whose customers tout that Tesla is almost cheating. If customers decide they want something, they can just issue an update, and that way they're going to beat all the other manufacturers. Well, turns out not so true. Yes, they can continue to issue updates, but it seems like... A lot of these cars have some serious flaws to begin with, just like a lot of software does. Sure, they'll get it ironed out, but this is not your knight in shining armor company of the century. Yeah, they might get it uh, you know, ironed out before or after it kills someone. Yeah, <laughs> that's a valid point. Hey, I'm going to go drive around an electromagnetic field. Yeah. Well, they, they need a... I mean... It's totally going the opposite direction of where it would be good for consumers if it went. So instead of vehicles with lots of interchangeable parts, really cheap to work on, um, you know, very cost effective to to own for a long time. Now it's, <laughs> I think they're trying to get, get it to the point where it's just like, ah, you know. It's you can't fix it. You just need to go buy a new car. Yeah, you know that's a, that. There's a lot of truth to what you just said, and a lot of the the stuff we didn't cover this last year that happened with Jeep, where Jeeps are just. I mean, they've they've gotten to the point now where they have so many software updates and transmission issues and everything else with their Jeep Cherokees, and, and then there. Remember that whole scam came out that you could hack them. That Jeep Cherokees could be hacked, and all this other stuff. Right. Well, I, th- I think it was the No Agenda show or one of these podcasts I listened to where they tracked it down and found out that basically a lot of the stories were coming from this company. I think it was actually Chrysler Corporation who was supporting a foundation called – it was just basically like trying to keep cus- consumers from working. Other, It's like a foundation to support uh, manufacturer mechanics only. Mm-hmm. And basically saying right. that they're the only ones that have the right to work on the car because they're going to tr- claim intellectual property. And so, right. therefore, the only people that should be able to work on the car are people who uh, so, work so for forget, that company. forget being able to work on your own car. Yes. You can't even go to an independent mechanic. Yes. And see, that's what – And so because they're ma- they're floating all these stories about how, oh, my gosh, you know – you can hack the new Jeep Cherokee and everything else, and people are just like freaked out. Oh my gosh, I got to get my software updated, everything else, and it's it's basically creating a vacuum for people to do work on their cars. There's constant updates, and this is supposed to be a good thing because this is the new technology. Yeah, get them back in the dealership again, scaring people from wanting to work on their own cars, and basically that is essentially the entire point. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Tesla, good luck working on your car because I mean that that thing is literally <laughs> software rolling down the road. I've yeah. driven one, and it's uh, you know there's a giant screen in the middle. Oh my gosh, look at the size of the screen! It's amazing. <laughs> and then you drive the car, and it's you know it feels weird. There's no noise and whatever. It's, some people are just so into it, and and you park it, and that's the other thing too, like about the doors not working. So the the Tesla is so crafty and cool that it actually doesn't really even have door handles. They kind of suck in. And then if the key comes within a certain proximity of it, then they'll pop back out. 
and then at that point you can open them and close them, and then when you know once the car drives, they suck back in. Very space age Star Trek feel. But if the remote you have on you doesn't have batteries, I mean, (laughs) you are straight up out of luck. And little stuff like that. So with those doors malfunctioning, that's not a surprise to me at all. Um, You know, those gesture tailgates on a lot of cars, those have been known to fail as well, where the tailgate will just open out of nowhere. Anyway, I'm just just, just saying, I'm just saying this new, hey. You're, You're saying people shouldn't go out and buy a Tesla. I don't like Tesla at all. And I was instead of instead of putting a thousand dollar deposit down, um, you should take yourself out to lunch and go buy a, chip- a burrito from Chipotle. I'm hearing that. Or you could support Bill Nye the Science Guy by trying to support Tesla and save the world. But yes, let's go to Chipotle first. Some sad news, Tim. I'm ready. We've been, we've been following this story. Chipotle Mexican Grill posts first quarterly loss. I mean, it worked. Comes from Market Watch. Uh, sales tumbled twenty three percent. Shares of the company are down forty two percent. I think it's time to buy. Still too expensive. I should have bought it. It's still four hundred thirty two dollars a share. I think I need to buy. I I I could have bought it when it was thirty bucks a share. No, oh, well. I got a finger on the pulse of some of the. Some of the youth, some of the kids, and some of them are already to the point where, like, yeah, I mean, it's great. There's no lines anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, it's not far. I think this we could regain its former glory as long as there's no more outbreaks. Yeah. Um, still. So yeah, they lost twenty six point four million dollars, eighty eight cents a share. Down from one hundred twenty-two point six million dollars, or three eighty-eight a share a year earlier. Um, revenue decline declined to eight hundred thirty-four point five million from one point oh nine billion <laughs> quarterly revenue of a billion dollars. That's pretty crazy. Um, so yeah, I'm going to say they they might not have bottomed out, but they'll be back. To they'll be back. what Americans want. We want large burritos that taste good. And we want Bill Nye, the science guy, to jail anybody who disagrees with him. Well, actually, we want Bill Nye to jail himself. <laughs> didn't, he, is, didn't, he, didn't he recently have a rant about how stupid Christians were, or these religious people? He's always ranting about something. Um... How did he become the de facto like millennial? That's his gig, man. He was hired by the, you know, whatever the Obama administration PR firm. You're going to be the uh, the kook climate czar. (laughs) Yeah. How much does it pay? I'll take it. I mean, right. seriously, he's just he's this, this a, coming from the guy who's like, yeah, I don't think GMOs are a good idea. It seems like a pretty risky thing. And oh, and then Monsanto visited me, and I saw how wonderful it was. And he wrote about how wonderful GMOs were in his book. So. He's just a he's a local Seattle comedian hack. I mean, he's he's a Boeing engineer. He's not even a science guy. He thinks wearing a bow tie is funny. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he... Look, I'm in a bow tie. There's crazy sound effects on my kid's TV show. On Saturday, After Saturday Night Live was over on the West Coast in the late 80s, early 90s, uh, there was a show on Almost Live up here, and he was a star on it. He's a Boeing engineer. I mean, he's he's nothing. He's just some guy. But millennials have like ruled him as a de facto. Like, it's so cool when he goes on Fox News and kicks real knowledge to those idiots, <laughs> stupid Republicans. They can't understand the science. Science, which the all the science consists of citing uh, theoretical no, model, model data. No, not even that. Just like. Like everyone who's smart agrees with us. So ninety-eight percent of every climate. Or is, or you know, Obama saying ninety-nine, ninety-nine percent. He moved it up to ninety-nine. I mean, it might as well be. Yeah. I mean, what, let's just round it up. You want to do a, a somewhat happy story? I'm ready. All right. Doctors explain why going on a hike uh, changes your brain. Hmm. So, comes from wimp.com. Never heard of it. Come on, you read it daily. Yeah. Uh, the, the great outdoors might just be greater than you think. There are plenty of those who love to spend as many hours of the day outdoors as we can. And hiking is obviously quite healthy for the body, but few of us ever give it a lot of thought to how hiking could benefit our mental health as well. Um, Tur- you don't live in the Northwest, whoever wrote this article. <laughs> Turns out that hiking might just be your ticket to a brand new brain, whether you're passionate about the outdoors or just force yourself to take a stroll around your local park. Recent studies about the effects of hiking in nature have been directed at understanding just how this recreational activity affects both physiological and mental aspects of our brains. One of the main reasons for this glut of research is because we're spending so much less time outdoors overall. The average American child now spends half as much time outside as compared to only 20 years ago. Half. Only 6% of children will play outside on their own in a typical week. Conversely, kids are now spending almost 8 hours a day watching television, playing video games, or using a computer, tablet, or phone for recreational purposes. That number actually jumps to up to 10 hours if you count doing two things at once. Overall, Americans now spend 93% of their time inside a building or a vehicle. So what does this mean for human beings? Well, unless we get a little more proactive about embracing fresh air and dirt under our feet, the prognosis is pretty grim. The bright side is, as with all great medicine, when it comes to the outdoors, a little goes a long way. Uh, According to a study published last July in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, a 90-minute walk through a natural environment had a huge positive impact on participants. In a study taken afterwards, those people who took the natural walk showed far lower levels of brooding or obsessive worry. The control group who had spent that 90 minutes walking through a city reported no such difference. Not only that, but the scientists went a step further and did brain scans on the subjects, they found that there was decreased blood flow to the subgenual prefrontal cortex. What does that mean? Well, increased blood flow to this region of the brain is associated with bad moods. Everything from feeling sad about something to worrying to major depression seem to be tied to this brain region. Hiking deactivates it. Um, anyway, it goes on and on. But uh, 
and they did tests on people supposedly to measure creativity in people that had um, done high, had recently been hiking, performed better on the tests. So get outside, people. Take a walk. Amen to that. I got several friends and colleagues who go on a hike to stay sane. I mean, that's that's a thing. It's an actual yeah. thing. The lyrics of a recent Macklemore, the Seattle hip-hop artist's one of the lyrics to his recent songs is uh, when I lose perception, have to go somewhere where I lose reception, <laughs> which yep. is awesome. I mean, yeah. and that, and that is, and that's not, and it's not just uh, the hikes. I mean, I think people up here, you know, they go skiing to get all, you know, get up and I think that same probably would have the same effect. You get up there and you're, you know, just skiing down a ski slope, probably about the same. Yep, get outside. Crazy. You and I spent <laughs> twice as much time as people growing up now outside. My parents would like I, my parents well, would like straight up like lock me out. I mean, they'd be like, hey, no, you're not coming home till whatever time. Well, so my, um, during my homeschool years, which is um, first through third grade. Mm-hmm. Um. So I would get up, we would start school promptly at 8 o'clock, mm-hmm. I'd be done by 10, and then I'd be outside playing the rest of the day. So I had my own, like, um, you know, golf course designed outside, <laughs> uh, basketball hoop, I had a strike zone painted on the, you know, the barn wall out there to, to throw a baseball against, um... That was, I was outside a lot. And once I was older, uh, summer vacation, it was usually uh, get a ride to the golf course at about nine in the morning and get picked up about eight at night. That was kind of my, <laughs> my daily routine there. But um, yes, being outside is good for you. Especially if there's no chemtrails. Chemtrails. <laughs> let me see if uh, let me see if we uh, we took Molly on a little hike. Uh, let me see Mosier Plateau. See if that pops up any images here. It's a uh, it's wildflower season in the area, so. Yes. Uh, yeah, there's some pictures. So. So, it's a. And I, I do have to say, um, we are in a particularly nice part of the country to get outside. Yeah, it's a valid point. And hike. It's easy for us to say when it's not like 110 degrees outside and humid. But, I, I mean, people in Phoenix hike, they go, um, and if it's 120, there's usually fewer people out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you might see, it's got its own, it's got its own beauty to you. You know, the desert at sunrise, sunset is, is a beautiful thing as well, but. Absolutely. So anyway, uh, 
don't go to school. Okay. Uh, don't use drugs and don't, get outside. Don't buy, don't buy a Tesla. Don't buy a Tesla. Okay. And go outside. Do you want to cover the Saudi Arabia story? Since there's like three stories in here that would knock them all out. Oh, it's too too late. Okay. Uh, it's, that's been my take on the 28 pages is still that it's kind of a red herring. Oh yeah. Just like, but um, just like Fahrenheit 9/11 was when it came out. Right. Um, but even that is kind of being even that tiny little bit of one aspect of 9/11 um, you know is causing quite a bit of attention. Um, and it looks terrible for the Obama administration to be covering that up. <laughs> or to, you know, be discouraging the release of that. Well, it's because he's a Muslim. But <laughs> but keep on... Uh, but at the same time, people shouldn't be that excited about the 28 pages, because keep in mind, this is the same 9-11 commission that produced the rest of the 9-11 commission report. That's right. Yeah, so don't get excited about the 28 pages. Like they would put 28 pages in it and then redact it. That yeah, tw- was- 28 pages is like... Alex Jones ranting and then you know the rest was what the rest is no it's just going to say oh yeah there is some funding from Saudi Arabia okay well I I mean people knew that the supposed hijackers were almost all from Saudi Arabia so it kind of not huge news to too many people. Yeah. So those will all be on the cutting room floor. Skywatch TV News, U.S.-Saudi Showdown, how U.S. covered up Saudi role in 9-11 from the New D- York Post. Derek Gilbert is a quality news reader. He is. Saudi Arabia threatens to liquidate its treasury holding, holdings if, if Congress releases the 28 pages. Saudi Arabia warns of economic fallout if Congress does, releases the pages. And then my, one of my favorites I threw in here, an amateur versus ISIS car salesman investigates ISIS ends up getting arrested. That is all <laughs> going to be in the uh, show notes for today's show. One thing I did want to cover really briefly was we have a good friend of the show, constant listener and supporter of our show. He is named uh, Matt Schneider, and uh, he has told us numerous times about different uh, ideas and thoughts he had. He was the one who reached out to uh, Thomas Young um, mm-hmm. numerous times, uh, the paralyzed veteran who uh, made the documentary and recently, uh, I, did, did he die or commit suicide, uh, uh, Thomas Young? I believe he just died of complications from uh, being paralyzed. Anyway, uh, Matt is a good friend of the show who is also uh, paralyzed, I believe, from the waist down. And uh, he actually was in a car accident recently. Uh, mm-hmm. So he broke... He posted, posted pictures of his facial laceration on, on Facebook. So you're missing out on... Okay, so he's got a good laceration on his face, and he has a broken leg. These are all pretty complicated issues, especially for someone who is uh, paralyzed from the waist down. So um, I wanted to... Uh, so he he's going to a kind of specialty hospital and treatment center for a while. Yeah, so. yeah. 
like out of state. So right. So he definitely could use our prayers. It'd be great if everybody could say a prayer for Matt Schneider. I guess I could do one real quick right now. Mm-hmm. Lord, we come before you. Just ask that you would look after our brother uh, who is uh, having a tough time. Just pray that you would uh, heal his uh, injuries and uh, pray that you would give him um, peace both emotionally, mentally, and even physically as he goes through this hard time. Just want to pray for also for his wife, that you would give her the power to, to help him get through this and just ask that your will be done through it all. Pray all that in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> so, yeah, everybody, please say a prayer for Brother Matt out there. Great listener to the show. Great person overall um, and definitely worthy of praying for. So, without further ado, my friend, Andrew Hoffman. And, and pray for Mr. Tim Kilkenny as well. Pray for me. That's right. Prayers for me would be, would be helpful as well, going through some stuff over here, just some different stuff. But anyway, Andrew Hoffman, words of wisdom for us. Oh, you've, you've already heard him. That's it. He said, uh, don't go to school and get outside. No good clippers! There's no good clippers. A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com. And thank you for your support of this podcast.